back in ancient times, there was this movie called The Matrix. <laughs> and uh, this movie called The Matrix, oh yeah, there's my face, that's good. And uh, it's good, it'll be fun to focus on that. Um, there's this movie called The Matrix that uh, people realized that they were actually plugged into these like computer simulation and this whole deal, right? And so the stuff around them was just fake, pretty much, right? And the whole deal, there's, there's been times that I've been in the woods, if anybody's like ever hunted, you're sitting there and all of a sudden there's a bird and you're like, where did this, I, how did this bird get here? I think this is a glitch in the matrix or whatever in this whole deal, right? Like it's just insane. I, there was the craziest one for me was whenever I was, I was fishing one time, I was out in the bayou, I was fishing and all of a sudden this thought occurred to me, or this question came up, what if, what if the, and some of you who know me, you know that about this thought process that I've I had in the past of, in my insecurities, but what if all the friends that I have, my parents are just paying them to be my friends? <laughs> like, that's how insecure I was, that, like, that I, wouldn't, I couldn't believe that people would just be my friends unless some, my parents were, like, paying them to be my friends. I was like, maybe that's why we're so poor. Uh, <laughs> Because they have to pay them a lot of money to be my friend. Like this, this just when you're by yourself, man, crazy thoughts happen. This whole deal, like there's just this level of insecurity that I had at this point. They're like, I, why would people like to be my friend unless my parents were paying them a lot of money? And so now I have to be poor. And so I would, you know, part of me wanted to be like, hey, dad, I'd rather just not be poor and not, and not have friends. Uh, that'd be real great. Uh, that's actually not true. I would, I would be, a, I would be completely destitute as long as I had friends. I'm, I'm a people person. Uh, most of you know that about me. But the thing about all of us, though, every single one of us, we have these moments that we forget, or maybe you're in one of those moment, these moments right now, that you think that Jesus doesn't love you, that Jesus doesn't like you. But the reality is that Jesus loves you no matter how broken you are, no matter where you find yourself in life, no matter how far gone you are, he loves you, and nobody's paying him to love you, right? Like, he just loves you so much so that he gave himself for you. And all he wants is your heart. All he wants is your heart. So tonight we're going to be in the gospel of Matthew. Turn to chapter 9. Pull your Bibles out. If you don't have one, there's some in the windowsills around, that kind of thing. Uh, grab one. Turn to Matthew chapter 9. And we're starting in verse 9. We're going to be looking at Jesus calling Matthew to be one of his disciples. And actually, this is the start of a three-week series Hunter will carry on uh, for the next couple of weeks. We're going to be looking at uh, the callings of some of the disciples, these men that Jesus decided to gather uh, as a small group to travel with him for his three years of ministry and to be really uh, close and intimate with them and teach them and that kind of thing. But we're going to look at the call of Matthew and see some things that we can learn here about Jesus and, and who he is and then even who uh, he calls us to be, even through this story. Okay, so let's, Matthew chapter 9. Starting in verse 9, let's read this, and then we'll, we'll kind of just walk our way back through it and digest it, okay? As Jesus passed on from there, he saw a man called Matthew sitting at the tax booth, and he said to him, follow me. And he rose up and followed him. It's pretty straightforward, right? And as Jesus reclined at table in the house, behold, many tax collectors and sinners came and were reclining with Jesus and his disciples. And when the Pharisees saw this, they said to his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? But when he heard it, he said, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick, um, but those who are sick. I just read the wrong inflection on that. All right, verse 13, go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice, for I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. 
So let's jump back at the top here, okay? So Matthew, for those of you who don't know the context, Matthew was a tax collector in this time, the way people pay their taxes. Uh, yes, they even had to pay taxes back then, even crazier amounts than we think we have to now, and you guys aren't old enough to like really care about that yet. You've probably heard your parents like moaning and groaning about it constantly all the time. We've got to pay taxes, and blah, 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 right? Um, and the whole deal. But uh, they had tax collectors, and they basically, in the, their like, town centers and markets and things like that, they had these guys who had a booth that was set up, and they would collect taxes. The system, like all man-made systems, had corruption in it. Most all man-made, man-centered, self-centered systems are corrupt in some sort of way, right? And so the major corruption in this is these these, these collectors, I can't say words right, these tax collectors, so the ta maybe the tax was supposed to be like 6% or whatever. They would say, actually, it's 10%. And so then you would have to pay 10%, they would keep 4%, and then send 6% on to the actual government. And so they would make a salary, but then they would also be basically lying and stealing from the other people around them. So, and everybody knew this, but you couldn't do anything about it because if you didn't pay your taxes, like big scary men would come get you and get your money anyway. Like you had to pay the taxes and the whole deal. And so in society, tax collectors were like major outcasts. They were rich, and they thought they were awesome because they were rich, but they were outcasts. People didn't want to be around them. They were liars and thieves. The only people who wanted to be around them were people like them, right? And the whole deal. So that's who Matthew is, at least as far as we would know in the context of who tax collectors were and that kind of thing. We don't know all the details that Matthew was necessarily all this corrupt. But this is, this is at least, at the very least, if he wasn't actually doing, participating in that, society thought he was, because that was the norm for someone in his position. And Jesus chooses to walk up to Matthew and just says two simple words. They're simple words, but they mean a whole lot. And he said, follow me. Now at this point, Matthew could have said a whole bunch of different things. He could have been like, who are you, right? Like he knew who Jesus was. Like everybody at this point knew who Jesus was, rumors about who he was. He'd been in and out of town and performed miracles and the whole deal, right? Like was, there was, everyone knew who Jesus was. So, but he could have come with a lot of excuses like, me? Like, what are you talking about? Like, I, I'm a thief, I'm a liar. Like, he, all these different reasons, excuses of his brokenness and, and all the things that he could have come up with to say, no. But what does he do? Jesus says, follow me. And he's just like, okay. And he gets up and just starts following him, right? I mean, I don't know I'm, if there was any more conversation than that, but what scripture has, and this is Matthew writing it. This is Matthew writing his account of Jesus calling him. And this is how he chose to tell it, that Jesus said, follow me. And he said, okay. And he got up and he went. The beautiful thing about this, beside, like it's beautiful that Matthew was able to just that quickly be like, yes. But the beautiful thing about this moment right here is that in, how broken Matthew was, how sinful Matthew was, and yet Jesus still called him and chose him to be one of his inner circle disciples and eventually be an apostle to start the church as we know it now. See, the reality is there was nothing any more special <clears throat> about Matthew than about any one of you. He was not any more special than any one of you in the room. And so if Jesus is calling Matthew in, a, in his state of brokenness and sin to follow him, we find in the Great Commission that he actually calls anyone who would choose to believe in him to do the same. He wants everyone to follow him. So no matter how broken you think you are, no matter how sinful you think you are, no matter how far gone you think you are, Jesus is saying the two same words to you as he said to Matthew, follow me. So then the question for you is, <clears throat> what do you do with that? Do you continue to give excuses to God? 
or do you get up and do it? And there really are basically two major sort of positions you can be in this. Either you don't know Jesus at all, you are not a Christian, you're not following Jesus, and, and you're maybe for the first time hearing the gospel, or you've heard this and you're trying to figure out what this is, or you just think it's all silly, and you're just here to hang out with friends and the whole deal, and you're like, man, this guy's leaving the first night here, and that's weird, right? Uh, like, you could be in that, like, where you just don't know Jesus. And so the first initial call to follow me is just to believe, to believe and just place your trust and faith in him. Many of you in the room have chosen to follow Jesus, but it's really a daily choice to follow Jesus. Every single day you wake up, Jesus is saying, follow me. And so every day you have to make the choice to get up and follow him or not. You see, we would think that, you know, you initially believe in Jesus and then now like everything's great and I'm not going to sin and the whole deal. But just reality is, is even though you have received salvation and spiritually you are made whole and you will get to go to heaven when you die, you are still in this moment flesh, which is broken and sinful. And so every single day you have to choose to follow Jesus. You have to get up, like Matthew, and follow Jesus. Some people think, oh, I've, I've, I've sinned so much, even though I, I do love Jesus and I had chosen to follow him at some point. Like, I'm just so far gone now. Jesus doesn't want me back and that kind of thing. And the reality is that's just not true. Every single day, no matter how far gone you think you are, Jesus, when you wake up, Jesus says, follow me. And you have a choice at that moment to shed all of that, to leave all of that. Like Matthew got up from the tax collecting table and left it all. And we don't ever see in the story that Matthew ever returned back to that in any single way. He literally got up and left all of that behind, all of his past life, his job, the money, the friends, everything, to follow Jesus. And actually, he didn't leave the friends behind. We'll find them in the story here in just a minute, actually. But what I mean by that is he didn't like continually hang in the same crowd in the same way, being just like them. He started, he turned to be an influence on them instead of them being an influence to him, right? So let's, verse 10, let's read on. <clears throat> As Jesus reclined at table in his house, behold, many tax collectors and sinners came and were reclining with Jesus and his disciples. What I see here is that Matthew's response was to get up and follow Jesus and throw a party. Right? Like, he's like, yeah, this is awesome. Like, this Jesus guy is real. It's incredible. I want all of my friends and all these people who uh, the, the world around says are like the outcasts and the sorry people and the whole deal. He's like, I want... I want them to know this Jesus too. And so he invites Jesus over and he could have just been like, hey, Jesus, come hang with me one-on-one. And, like, and then they just kind of like talk things out and hang or whatever. And some of the disciples who have been called already, like they, could, they could have just hung out. But he, like, he threw a party, man. He was excited about what had happened in his life, this change that had been brought, this salvation that had come, that the Messiah, he knew that the Messiah was here. And so I can't imagine what this party was like, that Jesus was getting to hang out with these people, and he was, he was always teaching and, and sharing and trying to heal people, and, and the whole, he was always trying to do those kinds of things. But Matthew's probably running around like, hey, you know, so-and-so, you need to meet this Jesus guy. He's, he's like legit. He's the, he's the Messiah. Like a lot of people are like kind of doubting about this, but this dude's real, right? Like he, he throws this party and invites all of these people to this. You know, for a lot of us who are Christians, we lose that excitement. Over time, we forget the beauty and the celebration that it is that Jesus loves you so much that he died for you. We get Christians, a lot of Christians get into what I call Christian Eeyore mode. You guys familiar with Eeyore? Like, I'm, that's not old, right? Like, everybody knows who Eeyore is, right? That whole deal. Um, just everybody's like, well, I'm a Christian. I can't do all the fun things, and I've got to follow what Jesus tells me to do, and the whole deal. No, man, like, 
you can, you can think that way if you want to, and your life's going to be miserable even though you think you love Jesus. But like the, the attitude here is that I now have salvation, and I can live a life that it actually has real purpose and real meaning and real joy and doesn't have to be fulfilled by all these things of the world. doesn't have to be fulfilled by people and all of the things and money. And like Matthew didn't need the money anymore like in the same way. Like obviously you've got to have money to like survive. But like he didn't need it to like he didn't have to be wealthy. He wasn't seeking the status and the power and, the, and all the things anymore because he found true joy. And so as Christians, the call here as we see is to, to re- try to recapture continually this joy that we see in Matthew and then try to tell all of our friends about Jesus. Try to invite all our friends to come and see this Jesus and know this Jesus continually over and over and over. Uh, the, you know, like any uh, good party at some point, there's going to be the party poopers show up. Right? Anybody ever like had a party and then there was like the party pooper shows up? Usually it's mom, right? And the whole deal, right? Uh, sorry, moms. Uh, but here's, here's what happens, okay? Verse 11, and when the Pharisees saw this, this, these were the religious leaders of the day, if you don't know this, right? Like these were the people who were supposed to know uh, who, God and supposed to know that Jesus was the Messiah, but they missed it because of all of their legalism and the whole deal, right? These Pharisees, these religious leaders, they saw this and they said to his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? They're asking like, why, why is Jesus, who's supposedly the Messiah, who's supposedly the Savior, why is he hanging out with these terrible people? Right? They had gotten in their, their minds that like we're, we're better than these people. They're lost. They're evil. They're wicked. They're beneath me. I'm following God. I'm righteous. Right? And so their language wasn't God is awesome. God is righteous. God is holy. And God loves people. It was I'm righteous. And I'm holy. And I'm better than those people. Their hearts were in the wrong place. And that's why Jesus continually, over and over and over again, in his interactions with the Pharisees, pushed back against them because he knew that they they had the knowledge of who God is and who the Messiah was supposed to be, but they missed it even though it was right in front of them. They missed it because they were so wrapped up in themselves. We don't want to be these people. We don't want to be so wrapped up in ourselves that day in and day out we think we're better than the people around us, that those are lost people. Those are wicked people in the world. Those people are terrible but that we see them the way Jesus sees them. That they're lost and they're broken just like you and I are and that they need a Savior just like you and I do. I had this friend in middle school and early high school named Brock who was one of these guys that just did not care what people thought about him. And it actually was what made him cool. Like everybody thought Brock was cool, but Brock had no cares at all. Like literally I saw Brock again uh, like five years ago when I went home to South Mississippi and the dude was on like, he was on this big Harley motorcycle and had this really long beard that when he drove it just like flew like, like this or whatever. It had like a welder helmet on. It was just like, he was like, yeah, man, I'm just doing me, man. I'm living life. I'm a welder and the whole deal. He still just didn't care what people thought about him at all. And he was just doing him right? We get wrapped up in ourselves so much that we care so much what people think about us that we're afraid to share the gospel with them, that we're afraid to tell them maybe that we're even Christians and the whole deal. Uh, but the reality is, is that the only person that we should care any, their, about their opinions at all is Jesus. And that's where Matthew was at this point. He didn't care what 
the other sinners and collect, ta- tax collectors, I can't say that word tonight, uh, the sinners and tax collectors, and so he didn't care what they thought about him. They invited him to come see this Jesus. They were, he wanted them to know uh, that he was changing his life, that he was no longer going to be stealing and lying and the whole deal, that he was now going to follow the Messiah and the whole thing, right? Like that he was all in on these things. And I love Jesus' response here to these, these people, right? He says, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. For some reason, I think about my dad who, uh, when I was a kid, he worked on like air conditioning units, HVAC units, and things like that at a commercial level. And so in Michigan is where we lived at the time. I know I talk about being from the swamp in Mississippi and stuff, and I spent most of my life there, but early childhood, I was actually in Michigan, uh, but it was like redneck Michigan. And uh, so it was still basically the same thing, just not in the swamp. <laughs> And the whole deal. So my, anyway, my dad worked on air conditioners. He was on top of a Burger King, uh, working on an air conditioner. He fell off the roof of the Burger King, broke his back. Okay. What do you think he did at that point? What would most people do at this point? You break your back. You go to the hospital, right? You go, you go to the hospital. You know what my dad did? He got back on the roof and finished working and never, and never went to the hospital ever. Literally broke his back and didn't go to the hospital. Luckily, he wasn't paralyzed or anything like that, or else he would have been forced to. But like, he just kept working. He worked like a 20-hour shift that day uh, and, and just kept going. I think he just slept it off in his truck for like an hour and then just kept going to work, man. Like my dad, and like his, his, eventually his back did heal, right? But anybody like Tanya, you can probably know, like you've probably seen this of other guys who are stupid like this too, right? Like his backbone and his spine, instead of like, you know, being straight now is like this at a certain point, it's like off. Uh, and so to this day, uh, he has side effects of being stupid, right? Like he, no, like he has, he, he had this mentality and still kind of has this mentality. Like I, the other day I like had hedge trimmers, like put st- five stitches in my hand and I went to the hospital and my dad was like, why'd you go get stitches? He's like, I, cu- I got cut by a uh, sheet metal one time. She probably should have had 10 stitches in my hand. I just duct taped it up and kept going to work, right? Like my dad's very much the like, just walk it off. You'll be fine. Like he probably cut his foot off and he'd still try to walk it off. Like that's just like his mindset is that, like, I'll just keep working hard and I keep doing the thing. It doesn't matter what happens to me. I'm just going to keep doing it. I'm just going to keep working hard because what you're supposed to do, right? And that's what these Pharisees, their mindset was, I'm just going to keep working hard and that's what you're supposed to do. I'm just going to keep working and doing the things and following the commands that, I, that we're supposed to follow even though they hadn't made it more. And so they thought they were healed, but they were absolutely broken. Absolutely broken. Jesus is saying... When he says, I'm here for those who actually need help, he knows that everybody, even the Pharisees, need help. What he's saying is, I'm here for those who, are actually, who actually realize that they need help. They're willing to admit that they're broken and that they're fallen, and they, want, and they know that they, something needs to be done about that beyond themselves. And that's every single one of us, is that we are all broken, and we are all fallen, and, and you cannot just walk it off. You cannot just work harder and attain it for yourself. And the only way to have righteousness and holiness and to have salvation is through Jesus. So my urge for you guys, especially those of you who uh, are, are Christians, is to not get into this mentality of, like, of this legalism and the whole deal. And maybe there's some people here in the room who think you're a Christian and you, you're just working and you're just doing the things and you're trying to be a good Christian and you do your quiet time every day and the whole deal. But the reality is, is your heart is just not in it. You're actually, you're, your heart is not actually connected to Jesus at all. You just have the head knowledge and you're doing the work, but the relationship just isn't there. So then the question is, did you ever have the relationship to begin with? Or have you just walked away from it, still thinking you're doing good things, but you're actually not in that 
at all. You're not truly following Jesus in the sense of being in a relationship with him. Because following Jesus, yes, there are things to do and there are commands to follow, but it's not about doing those things. It's about being with Jesus. Jesus cares more about your heart being in the right place and being focused on loving him and loving the people around you than he does about how many ever like good things you do in a day. Obviously, he wants you to do good things because if you love God and you love people, the outflow of that is going to be good. But you've got to start in the right place, and that's with Jesus. Some of you are just in the place that you just need to simply realize and, and understand that Jesus loves you right where you are. He doesn't want you to stay there, but he does love you right where you are. He wants you to turn to him, follow him, and let him make you whole. So what I want to do now is everybody just kind of, everybody, everybody close your eyes. Go, you can go ahead and pack up your stuff uh, if you want. Close your eyes, go, move into a moment of reflection. The band's going to come up, and we're going to sing another song in just a second. But I just want you to kind of get in a headspace where you're alone. I know there's like a bunch of people in the room, and you're probably like shoulder to shoulder with people and that kind of thing, but just get in a headspace where it's just you listening to what I'm saying right now. If you're a Christian in the room, I want you to take a moment now and let go of all the ways that you're working to be better and do better, and you're doing all that in your own strength and not actually relying on Jesus. Just let all of that go. Repent of the times that you have thought you were too good to talk to other people at school about Jesus, or maybe you were afraid that to, for them to know that you're a Christian. Repent of that right now. And then commit to, to daily waking up and saying, yes, I will follow you today, Jesus. Just one day at a time. Every day you wake up and say, I will follow you today, Jesus. Others, others of you in the room, you don't, know, you don't know Jesus at this moment. You haven't chosen to follow him. And maybe it's the first time you've heard uh, any of this, really. It all starts with realize, and being, and realizing that you are broken and that you need something outside of yourself. The thing that you need is Jesus. Uh, he wants your heart. He wants you to trust him, to have faith in him. He died on a cross for you and then rose and conquered death three days later for you. So all you had to do was believe in him, repent, and follow him. If you have questions about that, there are adults in the room who would love to have conversations with you about that. Maybe during this song, you go find one of those adults. Even if you don't know who they are, you got to do is say, can we talk? And they're like, yes, right? And they'll talk to you through it uh, in the whole deal. But if you are here and you do not know Jesus tonight, is a night that I hope and pray that you realize that you do need him and that you're willing to follow him because his call to you right now is simply follow me. Father, I thank you so much for the people of this room and how much they have meant to me over the years. And I thank you that you love me and you love every single one of them. Enough that you died for every single one of us. I just pray that you would move in all of their hearts to know you better and to love the world around them better. In Christ's name, amen.